Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Decision Hour. I am your host, Adam Burt, and with me I got my buddy John. And we are going to continue this series called Let's Have a Conversation. John, are you there? I am right here, Adam. How are you doing today? I'm good, my friend. I'm good. So we started talking offline, and we realized, holy crap, we haven't hit the record button yet. We we often tend to do that. We have to remind ourselves, hey, we should hit that little red button uh, and get going on this. So this this episode today is called Wing It. And I say that because this, we, we keep coming up with more and more topics. The more and more we dive into this series of let's have a conversation. And it initially started, John and I have been talking about this for, I don't know, the latter part of a about six months it's or maybe longer and it was like let's have it let's just sit down and educate and and uh, you know from from our perspective and and let's have a conversation we we want to tweak your minds so get you and encourage you to if you come across somebody that you don't agree with on a, on a particular topic or whatnot respectfully sit down and have a conversation with them. I love sitting down with people from the opposing side of my beliefs because I learned so much from them and I have a, a lot more respect. And that's, that's the cool thing about living in this country today. <coughs> the greatest country in the world is that you can sit down with people that don't have the same beliefs and you can still respect each other. So, with that being said, I'm bringing on the expert right now, John, and and we're, 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 we're I'm only the expert maybe on, on one or two things, and and actually I claim no expertise, but what we what I do claim, and I want to, I want to bring back uh, our our uh, as a great intro, but I do want to kind of bring it back for folks that have that have uh, listened to the other uh, podcasts we've done in this series. Of why are we doing this? Yeah. We, we, and the bottom line that you, is, is you and I have been talking and we just thought about the fact that, hey, look, we don't like what direction our country's going in. We don't like what is going on in our country. How did we get here? And geez, we need to get back to our founding principles because we departed a long way from it. Right. And we thought about, well, what, you know, what can we do to help people to arm themselves uh, and encourage people to uh, be inspired to go out and get involved in some capacity. Yeah. So, and the I, big thing with that is you got to get involved. It starts there locally at your local level, right? And we one hundred percent. We we talked yeah. about that last episode, um, which was uh, solutions. So so, and, and so local politics is fundamental. Local involvement in your town or your county or your city is fundamental. And it's fundamental to, it was fundamental to our idea of government as it was initially conceived and remains so for a very, very long time until somehow, of course, depending on when you want to say it began, but let's say it started under FDR with the, the, um, the new deal. Let's just say that is where it began, where the administrative state began to grow. And then over the decades, we've gotten to the situation where we are now, where we have an administrative state that is so large, um, encompassing about 20 million or so uh, citizens between state and, and federal, over 50% of the uh, GDP uh, that it is uh, responsible for and is able, able to act in its own interest, it's become a thing, a a, a uh, thing with some sort of weird collective will that wants to protect itself, and it's this administrative state which has not been elected. It does not uh, include the separations of power. We talked about agencies, um, you know, from the IRS to the EPA and, and and others, who have both. They make the rules legislative. They um, enforce the rules, executive, and oh, by the way, if you have an issue with any of those policies, uh, they are also the adjudicator. So they have all three branches of government right in those agencies. And, and that's the administrative uh, state that we're talking about that is beginning to take over. 
So the idea of local decentralized government is fundamental. Yeah. So now we were just talking before we came on about another fundamental idea, and that is the idea of absolute truth. Mm. Now, why is this important? Why is the idea of, why do I believe the idea of absolute truth is important to our nation? Well, one, well, I'll tell you what, let me, let me, let's start with that quote that I uh, read earlier here. It's from Audacity of Hope by Barack Obama. So it's a book he wrote a few years ago, but in it, he says something that's very telling. Implicit, this is the quote, implicit in the very idea of ordered liberty is a rejection of absolute truth, the infallibility of any idea or any ideology. Stop quote. Now, it kind of seems harmless enough, but think about that again. Implicit in the very idea of ordered liberty is a rejection of absolute truth. Now compare that to the to the our founding document, the uh, Declaration, where we say we hold these truths to be self-evident where we, we reference nature and nature's God. So it's an issue. Well, go ahead. You've so, got a look so, on your face. So I, no, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to ask. So the, the quote that you just read from, from Barack Obama's book, is it, is it contradicting then what, are the, the, what our founding principles of this country were founded on? Yeah, so so, and, and we can take this a little bit further because I've been reading some stuff this week uh, that was, and and I watched some lectures and stuff that really helped these ideas to gel. Had a conversation with a good buddy of mine, Charlie Carlberg, who is uh, an extremely just world class thinker. He's an Episcopal uh, minister down in uh, South Carolina. But yes, the founders are drawing authority from nature's God. They are, they are saying that there are certain truths that they find to be self-evident. In other words, they exist in nature. Nobody has to make them up. Nobody has to grant them. You know, the king doesn't say, yes, this is true, and declare something to be true. It is drawn from nature's God, as they say. Mm -hmm. So they are definitely appealing to the idea of absolute truth in the Judeo-Christian uh, tradition. Right. Now, you can look for for absolute truth in in, in non non Judeo-Christian uh, philosophies, like uh, Plato, as an example. Well, which uh, which Barack Obama was was not a practicing non Judeo-Christian. Right. And regardless, I mean, we've got a lot of people that claim to be, you know, Catholic. Yeah, no, no, and it's and it's and that's completely. I I think the the fact of the matter though is that it, what he had said contradicts what our the, what the founding principles are of this of this country. And it, oh, to me, it I hear that, and it's like, okay, is he? So is it? It's almost like. It, well, it, it seems like it's almost like hurting or trying to manipulate people to think that that it's better to have somebody in control, to have so you can have the freedoms that you want. Does that make sense? Okay, it does make sense, and it, it and here's why it makes sense. That here's why it makes sense. That uh, let me explain my understanding. Okay, and here's why absolute truth, in my view, is so important. Absolute truth is the only thing that ultimately acts as a restraint on power. Absolute truth restrains power. In other words, Adam, if you and I are, if you, are, you and I are, are just living our lives and I say, hey, um, uh, stealing is wrong. And, and you say, well, I, I don't necessarily agree with it. I think stealing is good to go. If you, you know, finders keepers or something. 
And then we start to explore why we hold those ideas. And this is why I, I keep telling folks, you need, to be able, you need to be able to govern yourself and educate yourself on why you hold your beliefs so that when you engage other people, you can articulate them in a way that is clear. But we, if we start to peel back the onion on why you think that stealing is good to go, and I think stealing is wrong, we ultimately run up against some sort of fundamental absolute standard of truth. Right. And I don't mean to get too academic on this. I really don't. And not honestly, not that I'm really capable of getting that ac academic. There's lots of people I know who could absolutely crush, you know, crush me in terms of academic knowledge and, and their ability. But the, the important concept is that absolute truth is absolutely important. And one of the reasons it is so important beyond the fact that the founders drew on it as, as for a concept of natural unalienable rights that are derived from nature's God, divine providence, the judge of the world. And uh, there's one other reference they, they, they use for God. But the big deal is that absolute truth is a restraint on power. Morality if not rooted in some sort of absolute truth, has no authority and is only, only, only moral because of some sort of tyranny. So let's say that I said, well, stealing's wrong. And you say, well, I think stealing's good to go. And, I, and, and, you, and we have started to have this discussion and you say, well, why do you think that, that stealing is, is wrong? And I tell you, because I said so. Right. Now, if I now between you and me, that might not be a big, big deal. But now let's say that I am in some position of power. You know, let's say that I'm the president of the United States or a senator or something like that. Now, all of a sudden, I have some sort of power. Now, morality based on power is really just tyranny. Morality, but now if I say, well, I believe that stealing is wrong because maybe I referenced the Ten Commandments, and I said, well, God says in, in as one of His commandments that uh, that you're not going to steal, and you say, okay, but I don't believe in the Ten Commandments, and, and like, well, let's talk about that a little bit further then, and just say we have to have some sort of standard that we can measure ourselves against for morality. We're talking about the Judeo-Christian uh, tradition here that our country is founded on in terms of its laws and, and the, the ideas that where our ideas come from. They're firmly rooted in that. And so we're always appealing to the idea of God as absolute truth. That's our, our measuring stick. That's, that's the, the thing that we look to as our, our standard. <laughs> And I might end my argument by saying, well, because we're talking about the Judeo-Christian tradition, God says that stealing is, is uh, forbidden. And if God values it, then I should value it. If God values it, that would be something that is, that, it, that I, I would put my stake in the ground and say that is something solid in this world that I can hang on to is that God values this moral principle of not stealing. And then as a person who is completely imperfect, I would, I would, I would look at God's direction and I would say, well, if God values it, I should probably value it. And this gets back to something that you said when we first started this discussion, you said, if, if you follow the 10 commandments to the best of your ability, you would never break any other law, right? And I thought that was pretty, that was pretty insightful. And it's a great sort of simplified uh, well, you, you layman look, way to look at it. Look at all, like, I, and I, you look at all of the laws on the books here in the United States, over a million of them, over a million. And, it, and we're not the only country that has laws. Every country has laws or certain rules or regulations that you have to abide by or whatnot. But if, if you, and, and, and this is for the Christians or people who believe in God, 
I'm not saying you necessarily have to go to church, but if you believe in God, if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, if that's if you're listening, if you follow the Ten Commandments, you will not break any of the laws that man has made throughout history. Now I, I want I want to go I want to I want to go back to something you said here just a minute ago is because you were, you were, as we were transitioning into that you you'd said something about people coming in as like okay well I don't I don't believe in your law I don't believe in your laws and and just recently as of recently it uh, happened in um, actually this happened down in Virginia uh, 11, 11 men were arrested. Um, for armed robbery and stuff, and they said, we don't recognize your laws. We don't recognize your laws. And, and I want to take I guess the point I'm trying to make with, with this is, is, you know, when in the military, when we get deployed and we go to another country, whether we're at war with that country or not, there are certain rules that we have to abide by being in that country. There are certain rules that we have to, out of respect for that country. Again, whether we're at war with that country or not, uh, we had to respect certain uh, beliefs because we were in their country. Yeah. So w- why shouldn't that follow for everybody that that's here, whether you're in this country or you come to this country or not? Because I certainly don't see that happening. It's supposed well, to. I- it's supposed to. It is supposed to, and I, and I would say that it certainly should. And if and if it's not, you know, in those cases where it's not, you you don't get to pick and choose. And 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 let's take it take it back to our founding our ideas. One of the things that we were founded on was equal protection under the law, equal application of law, uh, rule of law. So hey, you know, we you know we have a we have a law against stealing here. Well, I don't recognize your law. A, uh, too bad because it is the law of the land right. and we equally apply that law across the board, regardless one of whether or not you recognize the authority, because, it, it, you know, as an individual, you are sovereign and you have certain rights, but you don't have the right, you know, to, to steal when we have made through our processes a, a law against it. And we are founded on the concept of the rule of those laws and the equal application of those laws. And so I guess, you know, not only can the should the government, because God knows it it is happening nowadays, at least. uh, But equal application has not always been perfect. Uh, It may have not even may not even still be anywhere near perfect. Um, It may not even be acceptable because we particularly see. you know, political um, rivalries spilling over into the legal system and stuff. You know, Giuliani just got just got disbarred. Uh, you know, for basically for making a case for his client. Um, you know, stuff like uh, well, Trump getting kicked off all of the major um, social you know, media Twitter, platforms, social and- media platforms, and stuff like those are just a couple of examples where where. Uh, you know, the law is not being equally uh, applied. I think a normal citizen that that had some of those things happening happen may have some sort of recourse. But we're, we're um, talking we're talking a lot about absolute truth, and I think I'm going to change the title yeah. of this to this episode to absolute truth. And 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 in doing that, <laughs> I, I can't help but we mentioned social media and Trump getting kicked off. You think of uh, now we have fact checkers. Yeah, and you want to talk about. What's the opposite of absolute truth is when you get fact checked on social media because we've never have had those in the past. Well, and, and usually, and, and usually, what happens now? Usually, what happens now is you get the little mark that says, "Oh, well, somebody checked this. This is false." That should raise a that should raise a red flag to you immediately. I got I got something because I, I shared something from somebody else, and they said you're talking about COVID, so we're putting in these factual information about COVID. I, I have not shied away from my belief on what COVID. Do I think it's a virus? Yes. Do I believe it's real? Absolutely. My wife's in the medical field. Do I think that you need it? If you choose not to get it, then you shouldn't be 
bombarded or harassed about it. And here's the other thing. When a government, here's an absolute fact, is that if a government starts paying people to get a vaccination, that should be a red flag as well. Sorry, I had, I I had to throw that in there. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And, and you know, we, we talked a little, little, little bit about uh, kind of, well, I think we were sort of discussing how this podcast, the, this series came about. And uh, we were having a discussion about, at least in my view, where when we had questions about the 2020 election, about um, was it properly conducted, it was, in my mind, it was the complete suppression and uh, censorship that took place in the wake of that. Right. That convinced me that there must be something there because otherwise we would be reasonable and say, okay, let's take a look at this and just make sure we're good. I I can't help but to feel like over the years, I've said this before, I'll say it again, that America is turning into a third world country. And let me be completely frank when I say this. What I mean by that is, is not so much like what we, like if you've been in the military and you've been deployed, not so much as like a third world country to what we have, what we're what we've known or what we've seen or experienced for that matter, but that the mindset is going that direction. And I start to think about things aren't adding up. And instead of just agreeing to go along with it, I, I want to think critically. And here's the thing. I'm a, like, those of you that don't know me, I was not a very good student. I was a dro- high school dropout. I I ended up going back. I, I got I skimmed by to get my diploma. Uh, uh, I did a, a year in college, and then I took like a ten year, you know, break before I went back to college. And the only reason why I went back to college, I didn't learn how to critically think in college. I went back to college because I had to for the job that I had because I wanted to get promoted. Now looking back on it. College isn't for everybody. In fact, I'd, I'd actually tell people to go more towards trade schools, but that's another conversation. I, I say all this because I'm I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'm not the dullest one either. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. you, you have to think critically. If you just believe in everything that you see or, or hear and you don't – listen, they don't want you to ask questions. Because they're they're afraid you're going to find out what the truth is. Yeah, and so that's exactly, and 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 this is honestly, this is at least my objective in doing this entire series. We talked about we wanted to we wanted to try to equip people and inspire people to educate themselves to to make themselves better, and then to start begin to have those conversations in their family with their neighbors. You know, get involved at on a on a larger scale at at town uh, councils at at um, at the county level at the city level, uh, whatever you may be feel called to do. But it 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 does it, it begins with yourself and having and having some knowledge. So here's here's something I want to touch on real quick. Because this has happened a lot, and, and Glenn Beck, I think, refers to this as the Overton window, where something happens, some event happens that's a crisis, and it opens up an opportunity for tyranny to be injected into the system. And I believe last, uh, well, one, one of, one of the, the, the recent episodes in the series, we uh, mentioned that we Americans probably lost more freedom than any time in our history with the Patriot Act mm. Mm. and the establishment of a surveillance state, which has not gone away. So if you think of September 11th as being a, an Overton, when you, uh, Overton window, as Glenn Beck calls it, I would simply call it a crisis or a problem. Now, we cannot think of a crisis or a problem, and we have, we've had several since then, as being, as justifying the tyranny that comes in the wake of it. Okay, 
let's take a very recent example of the uh, January 6th incursion into the Capitol. All of a sudden, the greatest threat to our nation, and now this is propaganda, but the greatest threat to our nation is uh, white supremacy and domestic terror terrorism. Basically Trump voters, <laughs> because that's how they label right. people who might you know, think differently from them. The bottom line is there was there was a minor riot in, in an incursion, incursion into the Capitol, which has now been used as an opportunity to institute tyranny. We brought in how many tens of thousands of National Guard troops and put a fence up. Still around there. Them. Still there, by the way. Still there. Still there. Yeah. Drove through I, D.C. the other day. Did you? I avoid D.C. at all costs no. now. I, yeah. I don't know that I've been back since I left the Pentagon in 2019. I, really, yeah. I mean, I live in the area, but I don't, I, I don't think I've been back inside of D.C. since then. You know, if we go uh, this way, John, it's a lot quicker. No, I'll go around. We'll take the scenic route around. That's, easy. I just, that's right. No, I go around. I get, you know, we hit the beltway all the time. But <laughs> but the, the, the bottom line is we cannot, we've got to reinforce that we cannot, you've got to have this in your mind. We cannot use, accept a crisis as justification for the tyranny, tyranny that follows in its, in its wake. Americans have got to be mindful of that. All right. So I have to say something um, since you brought it up. And you talked about January 6th incident and everybody saying that, you know, there was a protest that stormed the Capitol. Let's get one thing straight, folks. Nobody stormed anything. <clears throat> they walked to the Capitol. There's enough video evidence out there that there was a small handful of people. The majority of the people that went to the cap and and the, the the DC police, they were instructed to let people in. Yeah, you can. Here's see, here's an absolute truth. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a spoiler alert that you will not find on any major news network. It was staged. Yeah. Oh yeah, I said it. Probably pissed a lot of people off by saying that. I I don't care. It's an absolute truth that what happened on the 6th, there's too many things that if you look at what actually happened, look at the pictures, look at the videos. How many professional photographers were in there taking pictures? Does that happen during a protest? No. Were, were, were people shot? Was a, Unfortunately, one lady lost her life and 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 stuff like that yes bad things happened and i i think it got to the point where they're trying to blame trump for this uproaring thing this was just another way to control the area which is what the military I, is doing the military everything of oh, you know president biden and harris or whoever whatever they're, they're not in control right now down in D.C. The military controls D.C. And it's, you, you listen, you don't believe me? Go down to D.C., walk around the mall, and tell me what you see. I, I, I and, and by all means, send me pictures. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Please. It is interesting, because I, like, you know, personally, like I said, no kidding, we, we, we live, uh, you know, we could easily go to DC anytime we wanted to right. when I'm home, have not been there, uh, in a, in a very long time now. Um, but I did not real because it's very quiet now. I did not realize that there were still troops in DC. Yeah. Well, one of a, a family friend of ours, he's in the guard, uh, uh, up here and he's, he's been stationed down there and, um, not once, but twice he went down there and he went down on, on a rotation actually had a yeah. rotation. Anyway, I, I say all that because it, here, the, the absolute truth. Here's another absolute truth. Now that you got me on my soapbox, I'm going to stay here for a minute. Sure. When you, when you look at what you... How many major news organizations are there, John? I have no idea. Let's say there's... T let's say there's 10. 10. 
out of those 10, eight of them, we'll say eight, belong to the same umbrella yeah. company. Yeah. So when you say, well, I saw it on CBS, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, and CNN, yeah. and they're all saying the same thing, yes. the exact same thing. Why do you think that is? Well, yes. Yeah, so, I can tell so you the, it's not professional journalism. Right. They're one. Uh, many of them are owned by the same organizations with the same ideology. Two, the whole thing is a huge echo chamber. I mean, it's you can you can switch from channel to channel to channel, and at the same time, they will be talking about the same thing with the same talking points. You know, things like they're they're no, they, John, they, wait, they're, hold on, let me interrupt you there for a minute. How how yeah. could they do that though? Because because they they had the same source. No, shit. Yeah, it's th- this is the yeah, reason the why story. you guys believe what you believe, or why most people believe what they believe. Those that just watch the news or the news source, you have to dig deeper. You know, there's a saying: "Follow the money." Yeah, this is a prime example. Follow the money. There are there there are more. God, ugh, there there are more freedom-loving people, God-fearing, freedom-loving people in this country than there are that want the Marxist or social uh, uh, socialism idea. Zero, zero argument. Yeah, there, there is far more. The reason why we see or we are um, trained to think that there is more Marxism or more socialism, socialistic ideals in this country is because of the sources that are pumping out that trash each and every day. Now, John, let me ask you something. You've known me for, for a while now, and you know that I own Heroes Media Group. And if I was to try to psyop somebody for an example or and those of you that, that don't understand that word it's a psychological operation right mind games if i wanted to push a certain agenda then i would create more and more platforms of medias and then push it'd be easy for me to push out a narrative here's the thing this this is going to be a shocker to many people adam is not a millionaire so <laughs> I don't have the financial means to do it. Yeah. But it starts with guys like myself and John, those of you that are listening. It starts with us. And we always, a lot of people ask, well, what can I really do? One, you're doing it. One, you're listening to us. Thank you, by the way. But two, share this. Share these episodes. Share this series. Let's have a conversation with people. Because the more people that listen to what we're talking about, more and more people will be more apt to sit down and have that conversation with people. And then we can start spreading our positive message, our belief on it. And I'm not saying our beliefs, whether whether we believe it's right or wrong. I'm, I'm not saying one that, you know, that we're right and they're wrong and this, that, and the other. I'm, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that I agree with John. There is a problem in this country. John and I have been talking about it now. And what we're trying to do, what we're asking you to do, is don't believe the shit you watch, the shit you read, or even the shit you listen to. Get get several sources, put it together, and come up with your own conclusion with it. Ask questions. The most dangerous thing to the government is people who ask questions. 100%. Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote the Gulag Archipelago, which is arguably responsible for bringing down the Soviet Union because it exposed uh, the tactics and whatnot that happened there. And one of the things that he says is that it takes one person to not lie to bring down a tyranny. Now, you might end up in a freaking mass grave, yeah. <laughs> but well, you know, the one person who, 
who stands up, who refuses to go along with the sham, that's the person who inspires the guy next to him. That's the guy who inspires the lady standing behind him to use their strength of character and to stand up for something bigger than themselves. And that really ultimately is what our objective is with this audience and with this, uh, this particular series is to have you, uh, have you examine your beliefs and then inspire you to have the strength and the cojones to stand up in some capacity to what is going on in our country, which I'll just refer to that as the lie. And there's a lot of lies, yeah. a lot of lies. Uh, and and these, this is not a conspiracy theory. It's just, just watch any, any, yeah. you know, press conference. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot yeah. of lying going on. This is and, absolute truth that we're telling uh, you. But yes, we have got to understand that there is such a thing as absolute truth. Yeah. We've got to be able to, I've been saying it for years, for many years now, and I'm going to put it a different way. But what I used to say was we, I'm talking about what I would call normal Americans who believe in things like freedom and liberty and treating people equally, you know, uh, treating people about uh, treating people um, consistent with the content of their character and not the color of their skin, those sorts of American values, right? I've been saying it for years that we have got to force the so-called progressives, the so-called liberals, and I hate that they get to use those words because, you know, I consider myself to be a liberal. I am a, I am a classic liberal because I believed in unalienable, I believe in unalienable rights that are God-given that I do not have to uh, receive permission from the government for. That is liberalism what we were actually seeing in the so-called progressive movement that's been happening since, Oh, I don't know, you know, whether you want to say it's the forties, you want to say it's 65 or whatnot. It's actually a regression to authoritarianism. You know, just, just look at what's happened most recently as an, as examples of that, but we have got to develop clear, a clear understanding of our own beliefs, a clear understanding of, the opposition's beliefs, and we need to force them to say what they are saying. Force them to say what they are really saying. So I'll say that one more time, because I know it's a little bit of a tongue twister. Force the opposition to say what they actually mean. And then the only way you can do that is to have a conversation with them. And they say, hey, look, we want to make, uh, and then just, this is a real life example, and and uh, it happens to be based on race, but hell, uh, you know, a lot's based on race now, but, uh, okay, as you know, Stacy, my wife works at the University of Maryland, and uh, she's an education teacher. I believe it, well, it doesn't matter. One of the counties that she works with was trying to increase the diversity in their teacher population, which is fine. It's a normal, that's a normal, you know, that that's a noble goal. Uh, to, to say, you know, we'd really like to get some more perspectives and things in here. Yeah, that's fine. But they put out a uh, a notice for a job fair, and I don't remember the exact language, but they were only interested and made it very clear in talking to people of color. In other words, white people need not apply. So. And, and, and what, what what I I was like they 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 are not saying what they're really saying they, they because they they know that it's wrong because these are not stupid people these are not even immoral people these are people who actually probably have pretty good hearts and are pretty decent people but they've got this weird thing where they 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 know they've got to do you know they they've got to try to adjust for race for whatever weird philosophical reason they understand that it's racist they ultimately know that but when they say white people need not apply 
They can't use those words. We need to force them. So we're we're to use the words. We're we're repeating history. Oh, just in you know, a di- just, just in a different. Yeah. What? You know, I, I found it really insulting, and, and and I don't think Joe Biden is necessarily a bad man. I don't necessarily think he's, you know, going straight to hell or something like that. I don't think that. I don't wish any ill will on him personally. Right. I hate his positions, but, and I think he's doing a very, very poor, weak job, and, he, and, he, and he's he's devastating our, our country in ways that we don't even fully understand yet. But- I, uh, you know, that's what happens when I, when I, when I go off and pontificate, I lose my train of thought. Uh, what were we, where were we, we were talking about, you know, the teaching position and whatnot and how they were, you're explaining that it didn't say that white people need not apply because they would get right. in trouble to say that, but it was, it was easily, it could, one could easily interpret that that's what it was saying. Well, that's exactly what it was saying. <laughs> Make no mistake. That's exactly what I was that what what it was saying. And that's just one small example. Oh, and right. what I was saying was that these are not stupid people. They're not evil people necessarily. Right. They probably are trying to do the right thing, but they get they get caught up, and they're not being they're not critically thinking. And what we on the other side need to do we really do need to do is to force them into the conversations of, well, why, why, why continue to ask the questions that walk the idea back to its essence for two reasons. One, to show that the idea is false. Right. That's one reason. The second reason is along the way, and I've done this on many occasions where I was having a, you know, a friendly debate with somebody and, uh, Walked, walked them back to, oh my God, I never realized that. I had never thought about that. Literally what I've had from several folks over the years on large issues yeah, where we start to have a conversation, right. we walk it back logically and eventually they get to the point where, they're, where they realize that if they're intellectually honest, where they realize that, man, I never thought about it that deeply and wow, I see now that it's wrong. And we end up changing their opinion. Now, about 90% of the folks who consider themselves to be woke or liberal or progressive or whatever, they're going to cut you off as soon as the subject comes up. They're going to put their hand up and they're going to say, this conversation is over. And they're going to walk away. They might even stomp off and slam the door. Who knows? But that, so, so you hear a lot of people, I, I hear it a lot and it annoys me because people say, you know what the problem is today? <laughs> no, there's, there's not one problem. We have a legion of problems. And one of them is that we've talked about before is that people are not having conversations. Right. They're getting pissed because some subject that's uncomfortable comes up. They say, talk to the hand, they stop off, slam the door, and they don't talk to you for like a week. That's, that's the discourse. Now think about where we would have gotten with ratifying the Constitution and drafting the Declaration of Independence if every time we came up against, you know, the abolitionist, somebody like, uh, well, it doesn't matter, you know, somebody like a Hancock or a, or a John Adams uh, comes up against, you know, one of the delegations from Georgia or South Carolina. And every time the subject of slavery or freedom comes up and they start to talk about and debate that idea of slavery versus freedom, what if they had just put up their hand, stomped off, slammed the door and gone to the pub to have a, you know, to have a, a pint? We wouldn't have gotten anywhere. We wouldn't have a country. Right. We have got to have those hard conversations. Do you, let me ask you this, as we're getting ready to, we'll start winding this down here. Do you think, do, do you foresee in the future that more and more people will have conversations and that we can get this country turned around? I hope so. I don't think anybody can, can predict the future. Here's what I know. Now, I will make this prediction. If we don't start having those conversations, if we don't start brushing ourselves, polishing ourselves up a little bit and holding ourselves 
accountable a little bit, holding, you know, t having conversations within our families, with our neighbors, getting involved a little bit more in, in local politics and things where we can have these discussions that implement or that become, become policy ultimately. I, a tyranny will march on and we will, we will lose freedom at the cyclic rate until eventually our country will be no different than any other tyranny throughout history. So I will make that prediction. What do I think people will do? Well, I can tell you this, we have evidence that people are starting to wake up. I keep coming back to the Loudoun County School Board uh, meetings. That's, that is an example of people who are just normal folks, moms and dads, you know, not agreeing with what the school board's doing and, and going and raising hell. We have got to do it in an artist or in an articulate way. And that's why I keep coming back to this idea of individual responsibility, individually making yourself better, education, educating yourself on why it is you believe what you believe. At least read the founding documents. It doesn't take that long. 15 minutes. Read it and try to understand it. At least do that. We've got to develop clear ways of talking about these ideas. Clear ways of having these conversations with other people who may disagree with us. We need to, like I said, understand the declaration, understand why we believe what I believe, but why we believe, why we believe what we believe, but study the laws of nature and of nature's God so that we can can articulate them, understand the um, what is happening in the country, at least at the macro level, understand the rise of the administrative state and how it's not consistent with our form of government. Understand, you know, what, at least in the broadest sense, what, what the overarching set problem set is. And then, you know, we've got even if you don't want to run for office or something, you know, get involved with, you know, some sort of uh, party organization or something, because we've got to develop party platforms that are um, simple and elegant yeah. in, in, instead of being, you know, being all complex and freaking academic and whatnot. It's not, it's not helpful. And, and, and both powerful parties, anyway, are, are definitely guilty of just of party platforms that are that are a little a little out there. And then ultimately, we've got to get back to making laws that are clear, that are equally applied. Uh, or, or we need to enforce the laws that we have now. Well, you know what I would say, honestly, or start from uh, scratch. Yeah, well, and maybe not start from scratch, but uh, we need to weed the garden. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with our legislation, I, there's there's a lot of things out there that are not um, that are just not helpful, and they're not they're not useful. Uh, but we've got to talk to our neighbors and our our fellow citizens because they ultimately we the people are ultimately we. We're the only ones that can save our freedom. Nobody is coming to save us. There, you know, I, I tell you what, Adam, when, when it was a stark, stark day, it, it, and I had been in the military for a while, uh, and uh, had already actually went went to Kosovo and and uh, you know was involved in that conflict. But when we rolled into um, Iraq in two thousand three, I'm here to tell you those first. That first month or so, that was a new freaking ball game. And I remember very starkly flying along with my four ships or whatever I had at the time and realizing that I'm it. Me and these other, you know, guys, we're it. Nobody, nobody is going to be able to help us or save us. We have to fight. We better be, we better be on our game. Yeah. The same concept applies for all our, for all our freedoms and 
us as a people and an individual. Now, nobody from outside of America is coming to save us. We are the last bastion. We are standing alone and we have got to fight. And I'm, and I'm not even, I'm not even talking about taking up arms. I think that would be disastrous. It may ultimately happen, but I, I think it would be completely disastrous. And the people who, who talk about doing that guarantee you have never been to war. We don't, we don't want that here. No, no, we, we don't. But I think, what was it? It was the, was it the Japanese Admiral in, in uh, yes, Admiral, I mean? Admiral Yamamoto who said Yamamoto, we've awoken yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, like we'd be anybody would be foolish to attack the mainland of the United States because every yeah. behind every blade of grass a rifle. Is, is a rifle. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, but but that's ultimately the, and that and that's uh, that's credit to our Second Amendment. Uh, sure. One of my favorite ones, by the way. <laughs> we don't, we don't, we don't want what want what happened in the Balkans to happen here. We don't want the tribalism that has been going on for ages. Yeah. In Afghanistan to happen here. We don't want it. And if you've been there and you've seen the results, you don't want you don't want it in America. No, so anyway, yeah. Yeah. I, I would just say. Let's, uh, we need to get engaged at the individual level, get engaged and engage the individual uh, at the local level and, uh, and just bring the country back uh, to, to the philosophy of government uh, that we were founded on. And we had a good four-year stretch there for a little while. Well, we were certainly having, it, having inroads, but that was, I think, very demonstrative of the power of the administrative state and how they, all those people and organizations that make up the administrative state, they were able to really frustrate some of Trump's ideas, which I thought were pretty, pretty noble. You know? Yeah. I look at his, his, uh, his time in office and I try to think of a, a better time that we've that we've had. I mean, the gas prices went down, the economy was booming, we had more jobs are being created, and, and some people are like, "Well, that happened from the last administration; it carried over," and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Ah, did it? Maybe somebody's some, always maybe, going to say it. maybe some maybe some of. But let, let's you're not being honest with yourself if that's what you truly think, because there's there we've had decades of stretches there where we could have gotten better and it didn't. And then all of a sudden the evil orange man takes over. And I'm, I'm saying that because that's what he was called on social media. And he gets, I'll, I'll, let me back up. I'll say it like this. Everybody liked Donald Trump before he ran for office. Everybody yeah. liked Donald Trump. He gave more, he, he gave more money to, other college, like there's, there's certain, there are certain black colleges that, that Obama took money away from that, that Trump used to donate to and, and so forth. Yeah. Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, they have all shaken hands and thanked Donald Trump prior to him running for office. And, yeah. and don't listen, don't take my word for it. You'll find this stuff right on the internet. Don't it's take my word. True. It's, 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 it's absolute truth. But then he runs for office and wants to take his beliefs and stuff, and and he is a God fearing man. Um, he's a racist, right? Yeah, but and then all of a sudden he's a racist. Come on, and a fascist. Come on, yeah. he might be a little rough around the edges. Do I admit that he sometimes says stuff that he probably? Yeah, sure, absolutely, absolutely. I did not start out off as a Trump fan. I thought he was a jackass. See, and and it wasn't until I, I read his biography, um, I was just like, oh, it's Donald Trump. He's the, you know, everybody knows that the big realtor in New York, blah blah blah. And, but he's done so much for so many people, and sure, he's had his run-ins here and there, and and whatnot. Just like, uh, but but he never stayed in the news for that long until he did something good. Or, yeah. or bad for that matter. And then as soon as he ran for office, 
everybody that was taking money from him as a civilian, yeah, all of a sudden they don't like him. They they're this, they're that. They they turn their backs on him. And and here's the other thing: if you <laughs> if you're that type of person, I I I think that's cowardless in my opinion, to do something like that. I can understand that you, you change your mind or maybe somebody does something that changes your opinion of that particular individual. Yeah. But, and again, I state, I, I wasn't necessarily a Trump fan. I respected him as, as a businessman, being a businessman myself. Um, and, and, and I thought sometimes that he would, he would definitely add fuel to the fire when it was unnecessary yeah, on yes. social media. To the point Why are you where throwing it, gas on it, that fire? It again? brought a new type of entertainment uh, to ah, to ah. the <laughs> to the world, man. Yeah. But I say all that because, and again, don't take my word for anything that I've just said. You can find all of that stuff on the internet. You hear it from the news that like he's a racist, he's this, he's that. Go do your research. It wasn't until that I found out that the Obama administration took money from black colleges and and. Um, several other black organizations. And then when Trump got into office, he turned around and gave money back to those colleges. Now, mind you, you have to be black to go to these colleges. And it's, a, I look at it as just another way of segregating people, but that's, at the same time, it, it doesn't affect me really. So it's kind of like, eh, whatever. But, but I'm glad that he went, he, he brought money to the inner cities. He's doing more. Those are the things that the Obama administration that the media would have you believe that he did stuff for. He didn't. And now you have more people, especially um, black people in high positions that are coming out and saying, listen, we've, we've been voting Democrat all of these years and nothing has changed. And then yes. this guy takes over, Trump takes over, and now all of a sudden we're getting the things that we've been asking for for the last 40 years. Again, don't take my word for it. This is all stuff that you can find on the Internet. Sure, and you can find it on like go to don't just take one. Oh, I read it here, so it must be true. No, research and read several articles, and then go out and try to find several articles that contradict what you just read. I guarantee you, you'll find the absolute truth by putting that together, and that and that is the truth. And that's well, why, and that's why they're trying to hinder all of that now. Anyway. Yeah, it's 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 a word game, and I think it's a good point. And I would encourage people to uh, to listen to Thomas Thomas Soul. Is that his name? Uh, S O W E L L, I believe. Uh, particularly on the on the concept of of the administrative state and how it has uh, badly affected the black community. Uh, look up the statistics for how many. Um, broken homes there were in the black community in the in the 40s and 50s and compare that to the 60s 70s 80s and 90s i think you'll find some shocking i know because i've seen them mm -hmm. you will find some a, a shocking correlation between the rise of so-called government you know help programs for the black community and and the breakdown of the traditional family inside of the black community. And there, and there's, I'm sure, other reasons, not just the presence of the administrative state. It, it didn't help. And a lot of it was politically motivated, particularly the 1965 LBJ, Great Society. Great Society? Yeah, War on Poverty, that whole thing that LBJ did. Particularly those programs were highly politically motivated. LBJ wanted black voters to blow, to vote Democrat. And he was, came up with a scheme to try to buy their votes. And mm. it was, uh, it has been not a good deal for the black community, but that's just Again. my, that, that, that is, that is my assessment, but I would encourage Go folks to, listen to, to Thomas Sowell, who, who is a black man, a sociologist, I believe, his profession, uh, deep thinker, and he had a lot to say on that on that um, particular question. 
All right, folks. Well, listen, we're going to wrap this up right now. Uh, this episode, I changed it in the middle of the episode. We're going to call this one Absolute <laughs> Truth. Um, this part of our Let's Have a Conversation uh, series with my buddy John. Um, if you don't know who John, John is actually a business owner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch this up as we're closing this out. John's a business owner. I'm going to, John, tell, tell the listeners where the, about your business and where they can find you. Yeah. Semper Savage is a marinade and, uh, and dressing company that my wife, Stacy and I, uh, founded a few years ago and we make all natural, um, marinades and dressings so good. that are the finest on the planet. Yes. And they're, they, uh, use simple natural in- ingredients uh, they are savagely flavorful. We've got four flavors right now. We've got Savage Caesar, Savage Cider, Apple Cider Vinaigrette, uh, Savage Balsamic, which is a balsamic vinaigrette, and Savage Centurion, which is a red wine vinaigrette. All delicious, all excellent as uh, salad dressings, as marinades for veggies and, and, and meat, drizzle sauces, dipping sauces. The, the uses are darn near uh, infinite, we're finding from our customers uh, but check us out at SemperSavage.com. Go there and order yourself a four-pack or a two-pack, and uh, that's that's your best value. And uh, get you some. I love it. I we absolutely we have a a bunch of it in our house, and we we use it at least three nights a week in this in this house um, easily. Hands down, the best stuff. We won't even buy anything else from the store yeah. anymore. You'll never go back. Um, no, no, certainly not. So thank you for that, John. Um, folks, uh, that is all the time that we have. And uh, so make sure you ch- check out Simper Savage. Also, uh, go give a, a listen and a shout out to our parent company, Heroes Media Group. You can check out the website, heroesmediagroup.com. Until next time, you've been listening to The Decision Hour.